Okay. Welcome to this week's episode of Write, Read, and Write, a podcast dedicated to you, uh, us making you think like we do. So I'm Josiah Gray, and I'm joined by Adam Preston Peril. Um, we're dedicated to making people think like we do? I, I thought that's what we'd agreed on when we started this thing. But doesn't everyone already think what we think? Well, not yet, but I'm sure they will, or I'm sure you will, dear viewer, listener. <laughs> uh, we're kidding. Um, or are we? I don't know. Uh, sorry, we're just being facetious, because uh, today we're actually talking all about the art of persuasion. So last week, I really liked what Adam was uh, discussing with the idea of implicit and explicit ideas. So I thought it'd be good to dive a little deeper and consider how that can affect or is affected by persuasive tactics that are used. Um, so Adam, what do you feel is the connection between persuasion and explicit or implicit ideas? Okay, so this is a big one. Um, as I've taught persuasive writing and persuasion for a few years now, um, so bear with me. Persuasion for me is the sum of a person's use of ethos, logos, and pathos to bring about an outcome, you know, a desired outcome, what they're looking for. Ethos is establishing credibility authority and confidence in the trustworthy aspects of a message or communicator. Logos is logical relationships, structure, and facts used to prove that a message is true or reasonable. Pathos relies on an emotional appeal in the message through stories to connect to, inspirational wording or quotes, and vivid language. Through these three elements, a person can craft a message that connects with a person's mind, the logos, heart, the pathos, or instincts, the ethos. I feel like logic is best used in persuasion when it is explicit. And this is how it ties into the explicit information from last week. If someone has to guess or infer, then the logos of the persuasion may not be missed or it could be misinterpreted. That's why it should definitely be explicit. Pathos is best used in persuasion when it has some explicit information supporting it, but also uses the background or implicit information that your brain already understands, but may not be able to articulate or express. Ethos is, for me, best expressed purely implicitly. If someone has to actively express authority or credibility, then I am less likely to be persuaded by them because they're probably faking it. Anyway, I could go into depth and give you examples forever, as I said, I've been teaching this for years, but I think you have some connections to add, don't you, Josiah? I do, yes. Uh, and honestly, Adam, as soon as we were bringing up the topic of persuasion, I knew that you were going to talk about ethos, pathos, and logos, because I, I know you'd love those topics. And uh, if you're like me, reader, uh, listener, um, I keep on saying reader, you're probably going to have to listen what, to what Adam said again to quite understand it, because what he was talking about was really the, uh, theoretical. Um, so I'm going to try to um, give you more of a practical kind of like uh, an example. Um, but honestly, when it comes to persuasion, guys, uh, it is ethos, pathos, and logos is really important. Uh, and it's, I'd say, the simplest but the best summary of persuasion, uh, which is why even though uh, Aristotle created uh, them like 2,000 years ago, it's still really used today because it's just so useful. So um, thinking about some examples. So I especially think of TV commercials. Because uh, they're all trying to persuade you to use your money in some kind of way. 
Uh, but each will try to do that in different ways, or they might kind of mix and match the ways they're using it. So for instance, uh, you've probably seen those commercials, and I'm especially thinking of like big brands like Coke or Budweiser or something like that, uh, where the commercial doesn't actually make any sense. And it might just be cute or funny, but at the end, they show their logo and encourage people to buy it uh, simply because of the brand name. So there was this one time I saw a Coca-Cola Coca Christmas advert uh, where they had all these like animated villagers running around and freaked out because there was this dragon attacking their village. Uh, but uh, they, the villagers you know, feed the dragon a Coca-Cola, the dragon drinks it, and then suddenly it stops breathing fire and instead starts, you know, fireworks start popping out of his mouth and everyone's happy and the village is saved and blah, 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 blah. Um, but it has nothing to do with drinking Coca-Cola, except that then at the end, they show off their logo and slogan, which is, you know, open happiness, which is kind of, you know, vaguely connected to the commercial. And everyone thinks, oh man, I need a Coke, you know, I'm thirsty now. So they go out and they buy more Coke. And so this is all ethos uh, because there's nothing to do with logic or emotion. It's just about that brand name. And in fact, uh, people really buy Coke because Coke is famous. And interestingly enough, and this is just kind of a crazy anecdote to add, um, they scientists uh, did a blind, uh, te blind taste test on people drinking Coke versus Pepsi because there's this, uh, at least in the US, there's this big debate of which is better, Coke or Pepsi. So um, the interesting thing was that when people couldn't see the label, people actually liked each brand equally. Uh, however, as soon as they knew which one was Coke, people uh, were automatically inclined to drink more Coke. It's ridiculous because um, it's all about brand. And it's a little bit of science, too, because uh, they did research and they found out that people's brains actually get more excited uh, about these big brands. Well, that's anyway, that's a little bit off topic. Uh, however, for ethos, uh, I think of like those toothpaste commercials where they say stuff like, you know, this is proven to re reverse tooth decay in one week. And they're using this fact to make you buy it. And they're also using a little bit of ethos because uh, there's a little bit of emotional manipulation because no one likes tooth decay. But um, also with ethos, sorry, with pathos, that's a bit of pathos, my bad. Um, but also with pathos, I think of those rescue, uh, pet rescue commercials where there's, you know, that really sad music playing. And then they show you of a picture of like a crippled puppy with three legs and one eye. Uh, and I can already imagine all of you like crying in empathy and pain. Uh, and they say in the commercial, you know, with your donation of just $5, Sparking can get the surgery he needs to live. And automatically, we just all reach for our phones to pledge money to save Sparky. Uh, but it's persuasion. And they're getting you to do what they want. And it might actually verge into a dangerous place and become manipulative. Uh, so be careful uh, and be on the lookout for ethos, pathos, and logos. Okay. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> that was a lot of me talking. So, Adam, you talk now. I am not persuaded to do so. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. It is October, and my Halloween vibes are building up inside me. Um, no, I and and I feel like maybe the listeners will have to listen to this again, maybe two times, just to sort of connect our ideas together as we discuss pathos, logos, and ethos. This is something that we could easily have a podcast for each persuasive element, um, because they're not just persuasive elements; they're elements of our human nature and how we interpret the world. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've said definitely enough, and I think our listeners are going to have to give this a second lesson. Yeah. 
definitely. I mean, I'm gonna have to give this a second listen. <laughs> but all right, uh, there is one last thing I want to say, so I'll jump back in. Um, and I'll be quick about it this time, I promise. Uh, but when it comes to persuasive tactics, uh, not all are equal. And in fact, uh, maybe that's just my opinion. But the fact of the matter is, depending on the situation, some might be more appropriate or more effective than another. Than another. Um, but in the end, uh, there is a danger to persuasion because it can be used to manipulate people, like I mentioned uh, before. Uh, one example is actually Adolf Hitler. Uh, and it's hard to imagine how so many people were, the, were convinced to follow this man who did just such terrible things. But the thing was, Hitler was known to be a really great orator. And so in his speeches, he was able to use these uh, three persuasive tactics to alter people's mindsets. Um, so as smart, critically thinking people, uh, you do need to be aware that there are these things uh, that people will use to try to change your opinion. And so you need to consider when are people trying to persuade you or if they're trying to manipulate you. And those are those you know, two words again, persuasion and manipulation. And so they go back to our ideas of explicit and implicit meanings. Uh, both uh, mean that someone's trying to convince you to do something. However, one does have a very strong negative association to it. So do be mindful. Um, any final thoughts, Adam? Well, when I think of persuasion, you know, outside of ethos, logos, and pathos, I think of incentives. What drives my audience? If they are logical, like a Star Trek Vulcan, I will stick to the facts and ideas over emotions. I wouldn't want them to be dissuaded by something they don't care about. If they're an emotional-driven Trump supporter, for example, I can't use logic, so I have to stick to emotional appeals and build my authority by ethos and pathos. Know your audience and don't dissuade with the wrong appeal. You might think it makes sense, but do they? Persuasion is all about the audience. Nice. Great. Very, some very solid ideas here. Uh, definitely going to need a second listen. Uh, so let's talk about some practice. Uh, Adam, do you have any homework for this week? My suggestion this week is to watch a speech by historically great speaker. Winston Churchill, Barack Obama, Maya Angelou, or Bern Brown, even some TED Talk givers. Listen for their appeals to emotion, logic, and authority. See what moves you and think about why. So for me, what I want you to do is actually to pick an argument with someone. Uh, it doesn't matter who. It could be a teacher. I mean, you could even choose teacher Adam or myself. Uh, we'd love to say no, though. <laughs> it's one of our, our greatest joys as a teacher. Uh, so we might be hard to convince, but you can try. Uh, then what I want you to do is try and convince that person to do something. Uh, maybe you want your teacher to change the due date for a homework assignment, or <laughs> maybe you want your teacher, your, your, sorry, your parents to give you like 10,000 chat or something. Uh, but use those techniques of ethos, pathos, and logos uh, to see if you can change their mind. No, but that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that's it for this episode of Write, Read, and Write. And I imagine next time we'll probably talk about arguments. What do you think, Josiah? Sounds like good. No, no, we cannot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening and trying not to take over the world with information we've already given you. Uh, don't persuade anyone to be your minion. I don't need any more competition. <laughs>